0: All right. My guest today is one of the most unique dent guys I have ever seen. With almost 30 years of experience, his development of very specific tools used for something called wide directional pushing and his unique style of finding a reflection of the dent. He is a wealth of knowledge to learn from. To describe his dent repair style in a quote, I would say Abraham Lincoln may have said it best when he said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, then I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Welcome to the PDR Coach Podcast, Sal Contreras. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, hi, Corey. Thank you so much. Yeah, good morning.
0: Yeah, happy to do this, man. (laughs) So I want to dig a little bit into into your brain, um, why you do things, how you do them, and just kind of teach us the ways of your unique style of dent repair. But to get started, let's talk about how you got into the PDR industry and describe your journey from starting as a wholesale wholesale tech, which most people don't see you as now and then transitioning into that big smash full retail tech that you are today.
1: Sure. That's, that's a good, that's a interesting way to to quickly look at it because you have to start out at wholesale, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, and a lot of people do think that you can just arrive at this one spot, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and start working. Um, Let's see. How did it all start? <clears throat> so it started with um, a bit the business section of the newspaper. You know, mm-hmm. at one point before the internet, you know, there were newspapers, and I was looking for another job. I didn't like it, so I um, one day just kept perusing the uh, business section, and they had a picture of a guy holding uh, Mitch Buich Actually, uh, he was uh, owner of Dent Pro. He was holding a tool down into a door. Took a, somebody took a picture of him. So I called him up and uh, asked him if I could just check out this kind of profession and uh, sat in the truck with him for about maybe four or five hours and watched him make 700 bucks, you know, real quick.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, and he had, at the end of the day, he said he's willing to, willing to train me and take me on. So I started with uh, Dent Pro. That was, that's when I first started out. Um, he, uh, he pretty much, you know, gave me the the simple the simplest way to look at things and that's just start pushing and start tapping you know (laughs) so i uh but he did something i think would really help me the most and he brought something out in me which i do credit him for is he kept telling me it was not right you know and i'm a perfectionist I'm a carpenter by trade. I'm a I'm a craftsman. I'd, I'd always want to be kind of known as a craftsman, as a mm-hmm. tradesman, because I, I love the skills. And uh, he kept telling me, nope, not done. Nope, not done. <laughs> and I'd look at him like, are you crazy? <laughs> this this would be fine if, if we're, you know, because I, all I knew was wholesale, because that's what he introduced me to. And I thought, it's good enough for these guys. Good enough for these guys. Come on. And he would go, nope, nope keep doing it and eventually he I guess started seeing that uh, I was I was getting better as he kept pushing me and uh, maybe he knew to do that with people I don't know but uh, it it got me to a point where I I was kind of figuring out different ways to get it better because of the way I was taught it was it could make it look worse really fast you know Mm -hmm. using these sharp tools he was handing me so that's kind of how I started. I uh, was just kind of thrown into it, um, but I was working um, dealerships, doing uh, pea-sized dents, really. <laughs> yeah, um, from Vacaville to San Francisco, I had thirty-something plus dealerships and body shops, and wow. uh, it was it was hard because um, I was resp- I was fielding so many calls and. Handling so many cars and handling so many keys. Oh my gosh, the keys! <laughs> I forgot. I uh, forgot the keys one day in Redwood City and went to Vacaville. Oh
0: yeah. And then I've been
1: there. I, <laughs> and then somebody <clears throat> took, called me up and I had to run it back to him. And oh, what a nightmare! So I was, yeah. I was really working the dealers, um, and I was, I was, I couldn't believe the res, not the respect, but the demand. And beginning of respect, you get when you could fix a dent that they had no idea. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this was 1992, you know?
0: <laughs> and you could almost walk that, into a, a dealership and say, hey, I can do <clears throat> dent repair instead of a body shop. And they're like, what, 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 is that, what does that mean? <laughs> like, let yeah. me show you. Yeah.
1: Oh, they had no idea. And they, sure. they weren't even hearing about it. They were just like, "Yeah, oh really? Oh, all right, yeah. Here's, I got one for you." Yeah, and they, they, they'd walk you out to their car, and you'd you'd fix it for free, and and they were amazed. But the volume was too much. There was just way too much thrown oh, wow. at me. So um, I got uh, I got more involved in uh, just trying to do something that was caught, was going to make more money because the whole time, and this is going back to your mindset, I guess. Yeah. Um, the whole time I was fixing these pea-sized dents, I was thinking, I, somebody else is going to get really good at this too. This <laughs> is really easy. <laughs> that's what I kept thinking it's the true. whole time.
0: Yeah. Like. Um, and so that so that, so what that got you into changing. Just to go back real quick, you said you mentioned Mitch um, and Dent Pro. So people that listen to the podcast and follow me closely know that um, me and my dad run a company of Dent Pro in Sacramento um also owned by Mitch and so my dad and you were probably starting about the same time my dad started in 90 1991 wow. as one of the original dent pro franchises um back in the day from Mitch I was actually trained in 2004 by Mitch as well um, through the uh, Dep- through dent pro training um right. so he he has he has had a big impact um on this business especially in the northern California southern California area. Um, just as a side note, and he's still, he's still in the business, does a little bit of a different, a different approach to, uh, to dent repair. Now he, he owns and operates a big dent warranty company, um, instead of running, instead of running (laughs) dent pro. Yeah. So a whole different subject. Um, but we can definitely dig into that at some point later, but so you're doing wholesale stuff. You learn from Mitch, you're in the dent pro name. At some point you decide, okay, I need to maybe separate myself a little bit. I mean, fixing p-size dance or one inch dents, other people are gonna do that. So you start moving into the into the body shop world and away from the dealerships. How how did that look?
1: Um that well in, in the beginning of trying that, mm-hmm. um I I was just oil canning and just destroying big dents. Because <laughs> and, and the and the guy I was training at at the time for Dent Pro, he was looking at me like why are we doing these? You know no why aren't we? And, and then eventually we lost an account because I kept concentrating on big dents and they wanted the little ones done. Isn't that so, crazy? So and I,
0: why, <laughs> so why were you, what made you want to concentrate on the big dents? I don't think there's a lot of guys that gravitate towards the big stuff. I mean, I know personally, if I can go fix, you know, two inch dents all day long, yeah. I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. So why, why, why did you gravitate toward the base stuff, especially in that in that wholesale um environment?
1: I think it had a lot to do with the i had a belief that it's was, it would it is it possible to reverse mm-hmm. the dent back out the way it went in and um I kept thinking the whole time that it's not going to happen with these little pushes i i mean I know it's going to take a huge wide force
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, just like the dent went in and mm-hmm. I kept, that was like my constant curiosity. Cause the little ones were so easy. I was getting bored. Really?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I was getting bored with the training. They were having me train people. Um, and I liked that, but I didn't like that because they, I guess you got to see sides of people in the moment that you were like, um, I remember one time I, I had to drive away from my job to go help another guy mm-hmm. and when i got there um he was stuck on 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 trying to get to the dent you know so i i took one of his tools put it in the vise and bent it a little bit and then we got to it <laughs> and and then and then i got in trouble because uh, the guy was saying that i came over and i was huffing and puffing and i was being an ass <laughs> but I was disappointed. It was like, come on, man. Are you kidding me? You can't bend this a little bit and continue on. You had to call me. So I, I I didn't like that part of, of, of the training of the younger and um, the newbies in that way, a one-on-one kind of thing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, It was just, uh, I was a little impatient, but at the same time, I was concentrating on something else. I didn't want to learn these little ones, you know? So I started concentrating on the big ones, um, trying to figure out how, they were going to reverse back out to I can make more money on one job instead of trying to do 20 cars, you know? So that was my focus. That was really it. The whole time was just trying to figure out how I can um, get really good at something that I, it seemed that no one else was doing. And I could see the market at some point was getting busier and busier with guys um, competing against each other. And, it was great money then, but at the, some point it was like, I know it's going to happen. This is going to drop down to three hundred dollars days, not seven hundred dollars days. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to. That's because everyone's. The more people get into it, the more people are going to be happy with a three hundred dollar day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, no one, no one wants to do. Um, I guess no one wants to put themselves in a different level. And uh, I was just thinking, well, then I'm going to get there. Yeah. I'm, getting, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that level to where I'm looking back saying, all right, you stay over there. I'm going to be over, here. Be over here.
0: Absolutely. We're going to come back to that as far as the the state of the industry, maybe towards the end of, end of the podcast recording. But um, I think it comes back to like you defined yourself earlier um, and you had a belief. So um, you, I think you said you started in the contractor trade and we have these beliefs about ourselves and, and our beliefs come from basically thoughts that we think um, our entire life and so you have a belief that you are a craftsman or that you are um, someone who does who takes it to the next level or does everything they can to make it perfect and so once you started doing that in the one inch dents the two inch dents the four inch dents you just kept pushing and pushing and pushing um, and I think that's fantastic and I think that's what kind of brought you out of that wholesale market into the body shop and then in the full retail um, oh I know
1: I yeah. know, sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I can kind of tell you what, what was so helpful in that transition that can yeah. may be maybe helpful with somebody watching Please. this. What happens when you take on larger stuff and challenge yourself, what, um, what will happen most of the time, at least in my case, the first one was a real challenge because I just started to go outside my comfort zone. But what happened is the second or third look at a dent I noticed that, oh, wow, I I just did something like that, that little section up there uh, yesterday. And that one's way easier. So Mm -hmm. that one's going to come out quick. And that's 30 minutes. Uh, Oh, wow, that spot right there. I just did that one on the other day on that one Mm -hmm. body line. So that one's five hours. So then I started to be able to look at dents and say, they'd ask me how much. um, So I guess what happened is as I was speaking to the, you know, body shop or, or dealer, I just kind of kind of block them out of my mind, look right at the dent and say, that's two hours, five hours, mm-hmm. 30 minutes. And I immediately knew it was that much time. And they would look at me like, oh, come on, man, really? But I was because I was having experience from other dents. So what happens is it gives you that confidence in your voice that, oh yeah, I could do that. Oh yeah, I could do that. When they start seeing you say that, just like you with when you're teaching people Mm -hmm. hail or whatever you're going through Mm -hmm. you have confidence in your delivery and they can kind of tell you've done this before yeah so what was happening at the dealers is that i would be next to another dent guy who was competing with me sometimes Mm -hmm. and we were were both asked hey how do you do that or how Mm -hmm. are you going to get that or can you do that as soon as i started speaking about it because of experience of taking them on the other tech was like oh wow i'm out of here <laughs> you know? and, and when i started seeing that happen then i thought oh nice so i was gonna demand a lot of money um at the job and sure enough it was that's when it started to snowball i yeah. started seeing that i can get 600 bucks to pick something when the other day, they were complaining because I made $150 in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I thought, all right, man, I'm going to charge the 600 on this big one to do it in two hours. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be happy and they won't complain anymore. And then they'll give me all the easy ones. <laughs> this, is, this is the way to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, you touched on a couple things there. And I think one of them is that we tell people how – we are supposed to be treated in a a situation. So if you are lacking confidence or lacking knowledge or lacking skills or ability, the words coming out of your mouth aren't always all the information that the customer or the client's picking up on. So that's one thing you touched on and that's huge. That's probably an entire other podcast. But the other thing you've said, which I talk about a lot on my Instagram and Facebook pages and everything is getting outside your comfort zone. So if I had to define it, I would say your comfort zone is the area that you the area you stay in and do things that you've already done before. And so staying in that zone of a comfort zone or whatever you want to call it is, it's basically the definition of never pushing yourself to grow past where you are today. And this goes in every area of your life, whether it's dent repair, the relationship with your wife and kids, your physical, you know, your physical ability, working out of the gym or running, whatever you want to do, all those things. I mean, every single day, Or every single week in every area, we should be pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone. That is the only way we can learn growing it better. So if you want to get better in dent repair at fixing bigger smashed up dents, the only way to do that is to, is to push yourself into that. And so then there's the weird balance of like those two things you said, whereas outside of your comfort zone and the confidence, right? Which one has to come first? And the first one that has to come is moving outside of your comfort zone because that's how you develop the confidence, And so there will be times where you are saying, I'm going to give this a shot, but not sure if you can complete it. And then that's where kind of the grit and the determination and the craftsman is going to come in to try to get you past what you even thought was possible when you started that day. And so that's good stuff, man. I love it. No, I
1: absolutely. Because uh, I don't know when you, when you get more knowledge out of a repair than money, Mm-hmm. Um, or you you value let's put it this way you when you value the knowledge that you get out of a repair and not the money um, then you're hooked because that's what was happening to me I was uh taking on repairs that I didn't know I could do but if it wasn't the repair as much as it, it was the r and i um, the yeah. price I got for it uh, the way the the dealer or manager was t- accepted the price on it and the way he Understood what I was saying about it, yeah all of you, everything that you learn in that entire transaction of getting the job and doing the job is worth way more than the money way more and thats
0: that 's what I really got addicted to was' the growth right it 's the growth of yourself and your business that is yeah. more i mean the money 's going to come if you pursue the growth and pursue the knowledge, the money will follow. Um, will follow you, but that's the thing you got addicted to was just pushing yourself and growing, which is a fantastic thing to be addicted yeah. to, honestly.
1: But you got to do, you got to take it, like I was just mentioning to a guy yeah. last night who, who sent me a message saying, you know, how do you deal with um, getting backed up and getting too many on the schedule? Because um, you're, you know, in demand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you, you've got to take the money and uh, demand way more value because they're not going to give it to you. They're just not, they're not going to say, Oh, wow. You're, you're so much better than the other guy. I'm going to give you another. No,
0: <laughs> No, that's your, that's your job to, to, to put the value on your own price. Absolutely. Um, so let's, let's take a little bit of a turn. I love how we went down that route and kind of got you from wholesale to full retail and talking a little bit about the growth mindset um, and getting outside the comfort zone. So When you're going into these large repairs, right? You've pushed yourself, you've learned more Um, when you're going into these things and even still to this day, but maybe, maybe more so back, back several years ago, what was your mindset going into repair that you weren't sure you can fix? Was it just all like, I know, I know I can fix it. I'm just not sure how yet, but I'll figure it out. Or what, how do you go into those repairs, pushing yourself past your, your previous limits?
1: Um it's different now than it was back then. Yeah, um, obviously. So now it's really complex and it's almost too technical
0: to to get involved with that. I don't know if that's helpful. Um No, that's fine. To, that's why you need training, right? <laughs> complex training. Advanced, yes, advanced training. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, cuz there's little things that you'll miss that mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh gosh, I've been doing this for 20, you know, 20 years. I never knew that." And those that's the problem. Yeah, if you don't know that then definitely get the training. That's, like, that's what I'm offering now. So, but, so I'll be, uh, I'll
0: be the customer for a second and say, I got, you know, a Porsche. That's my baby. I've had it forever and someone backed into me and now you and I are standing there looking at a dent mm-hmm. and this is, this is South five, six, seven years ago. You have you haven't fixed something like that before. Um, yeah. But you think you've fixed something similar and you think you can, what are you like? What are you telling me? How are you, how are you, having the belief in yourself in order to tackle that, what expectations are you setting for the customer? Kind of walk us through that. Cause there's a lot of guys out there that are good at, they're good at dent repair, but getting yeah. to that next level where some of the yeah. guys we see online are, how do you make that leap? Where's the first?
1: I, yeah. I think it's the customer. The customer helps you the most because um, I didn't realize in retail that they're more forgiving than, than a dealer because a dealer's is disloyal. Um, they are, Absolutely, will, will turn their back on you. Um, they're just they're they're a different. It's a different way to go because if, let's say with a dealership or a manager or somebody mm-hmm. who's the middleman, um, middle person. If if you take on a repair and say, "Oh, you know what? This is a really tough one. I don't know if I could do this." but mm-hmm. um, like, oh, give me your best price. Uh, okay. 700 bucks you know so you you start doing it and you realize oh man this is killing me so your 700 um is coming but you're on it a day and a half Mm you just you're just struggling like crazy in the end if there's some flaws now he hangs that over you because hey man that looked really good but you know i can kind of you know i can kind of still see this always what happens that kills your confidence oh terrible Mm-hmm. And that's not, not the better situation. The better situation is when you go to a person's home, you're in their garage, you know, kitchen doors right there. You're working on the dent that they know it's, it's going to be more of a hassle and money and everything. That's why they went to you. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they come out their door, they check on you. Hey, how's it going? Good. Getting there. And you're just, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And you keep working and working and working. And I, at some point, that retail customer walks out of that door and says, "Wow, that looks incredible. God, are you done? Who do I write the check to?" And you're looking at him like, right. "I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done yet." But that's how they are. Way nicer. So um, what was happening in the estimates with a customer uh, was I would, I would because I'm the kind of person that gets my hands on the dents. I get really close to it. I kind of talk to myself when I'm giving the estimates. I'll say, you know, like on your Porsche, your black Porsche, Mm -hmm. I've got my hands all over them. So like this section right here, that's going to come out really nice. And I know that's, you know, three to four hours. So I got six, seven. This is about 1600 bucks. That's what I see here. And but it'll turn out really, really nice. I think I like this part, like this part. This is the challenge right in here, but I think you'll be really happy with it. But overall, it looks great.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, that, you know, so I'm, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm bringing across something that they feel like, all right. He, he it, looks confident with it. it and, it's almost
0: like your sales process is them seeing, them seeing you and your, like, almost like affection or desire to actually do the repair and give them the quality that you think that they deserve they can almost see that because you guys can't see the video if you listen to the podcast but i saw him on the video and the way that you were doing that is like they're looking at you like damn this guy like really knows what's up he really gives a shit about what he's doing and i think that can really come across instead of just saying like yeah, the Porsche. Uh, you know, I think you know probably like twelve hundred bucks
1: to fix that thing for you. Oh yeah, no, that's the worst. Oh no, you can't the love the, for the craft. Well, I started in real estate sales, so mm. I, I um, I've been in real estate for quite a while. My whole family is so. Mm. At some point, we've been to I've been to every like seminar that mm. you could think of. Tommy Hopkins and Anthony Robbins, and you know, yeah. and just a lot of that. And I um, I know all about you know using your words to. To Tell direct the conversation and get everything going. But something about me trying to figure out this repair which mm-hmm. was with my focus, was that how to reverse this back out. Somehow, when I was looking at the damage, I must be looking confident because mm-hmm. I noticed what happened with the customer is they would be like, Okay, let's do it. And then I'd be like, But My whole thing uh, with estimating was I always want to make the prediction of where the flaws are going to be. That's my big thing. So when I would mention that to a customer, if I felt like they were pretty forgiving about it, I knew I would take it on. And with the flaws, I was still going to get paid.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Whereas if it was a customer to be like, you know, how, how bad is that? Or how bad is that section gonna be? Mm-hmm. And then you look at that customer and you realize, wow, their car is perfectly neat, the shoes are mm-hmm. shined, mm-hmm. and this this person is very picky. So that's when I had to be right on the money with what I was looking at. And if I was, that was working for me too. Now I can demand even more money because this person really is picky. That's what they want. I'm gonna yeah. spend more time on it. So I don't know. It just, I think it's the customer. The customer is what gives you the confidence to take on stuff that you wouldn't. And what's great about that is if they gave you the confidence to take it on, they'll more willing to, um, I guess, forgive you on some of the flaws because they saw how hard you worked on it.
0: Totally. And you know that from what you're doing. I I agree. I agree. I I tried to boil it down into a podcast episode I reached early on, maybe episode two or three or something. And I said, (laughs) um, what makes you like a a legitimate dent business? There's a lot of guys in here that have been training for a while, but don't know how to start. Don't know how to go to the first customer's house or how to fix the bigger dents. And this is a consistent, um, thing that happens throughout their journey of the first five, 10 years of PDR. It's like, you've always, you fixed the two inch dent for the first time and then a five inch dent and then a body line dent and then a roof dent and then a brace dent and then an aluminum panel. You do all those things for the first time, and so. I would say to, to, to sum the whole thing up, and I want to see if you agree with this, I would say that you have to set, set the expectation for the customer about what they can expect to uh, see at the end or ex- expect to get as a product at the end of it. And as long as you set those expectations and then deliver on those expectations, either at or above, then that's a legitimate Business. So, if you're looking at the dent repair, that dent you've never done it. You're like this area is going to be not perfect, maybe a little wave because there's a brace. This area here, this area there. This is what you can expect. If you deliver that expectation and you get paid, that's what a dent business is. Yeah. Do you agree with? But that? you put
1: the time in, of course, to well, have yeah. known those facts. See, that's the problem yeah. is if you have somebody jumping into it not knowing mm-hmm. that they think they can kind of sell it based on what they're seeing, but they don't really have the experience. That would be not good (laughs) absolutely so
0: if you're going into a situation a big day and you're not sure you're like well I've seen Sal Contreras fix stuff like this and I think this is what I can get it to and you say hey here this area I can I can make a little wavy this area I can if you deliver on that expectation even even if this is the case I make that might be a little bit controversial but even if it's not perfect even Mm -hmm. if it's not exactly oh, yeah. perfect repair but you have you have given the customer the expectation that this area may not be perfect this area may be 80% 90% whatever if you deliver on that then you then you can get paid and feel happy about what you did because that's the only way you're ever going to get better and better like you said 5 to 10 years ago you were taking on repairs that you didn't you didn't know everyone has to get there at some point and so that's that's how i feel about it the next question i would have you and you can touch on that if you want but the next question i would have is when you get in those situations when you like you said the customer you know garage door opens it up how's it going and you're like oh it's going great but in your head you're like i don't know we'll find out how do you so kind of the balance between there, setting expectations you could touch on that and then also how do you get past those spots where you know you've set this expectation of what the customer wants but you're stuck at 60 or 70 percent how do you what's the mindset yeah. or what are you telling yourself to get to that perfect or that as right. possible um it had to be um
1: knowing what's going wrong i mean that's mm-hmm. the thing you've got to know what's going wrong in the repair and how you should be recovering from it how you should have recovered if you're already past the, mm-hmm. you know, the point where you're like, Oh, this is going to look like crap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you have to have the knowledge as to what's going wrong. You really do. Um, so then, you know, how to fix it, get through the job, get paid. And then on the drive home, you're like, damn it, man, I, I know I started that wrong with that one tool and that one setup and that, or this and that. Um, and, and you learn from it. So the next time around, you're not in that position, and you're like you said, you're constantly growing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that—that's probably—that's probably the biggest thing to be thinking about uh, in a repair is—is it's is what's going wrong, you know? Because it's easy to focus on what's going right,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but in repairs, it's kind of like a chess game to me. You—you uh, you made a wrong move somewhere, you know, and what happens is in the end, you now see that move is just is killing you, really. Um, or or something you're doing, um, maybe you should change the tool out. That happens to me a lot in the beginning was, uh, if I'm working with a particular rod that I thought was the way to go throughout this entire time I'm working on the, on the dent, I realize, you know what, I've got to change the rod out, right? because nothing's changing here. This is not working. So then you go ahead and pick another one out, and you realize, ah, man, I should have I grabbed this one, you know, an hour ago. So I, knowing when to stop, it's got to be the biggest thing you can learn as a technician is to win, to just stop, quit pushing, mm-hmm. you know, quit tapping, quit, bl- quit doing whatever you're doing. Just stop.
0: Take a step back. And then,
1: yeah. And then look at the repair and say, all right, what's going wrong? What do I need to fix right now before mm-hmm. this gets worse? And uh that was a constant mindset for me um because my focus was always trying to figure out how to raise it clean
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i don 't know for the many many years I really believed that was possible um even though
0: i haven 't seen i didn 't see it done right. yeah you <laughs> you, know? you had to you had to pioneer that and that's yeah i mean, 've always believed and I think most guys believe that i mean really any any dent from a one inch dent to a to a big smash repair is you know The first push is just as important as the last one, and if you're gonna mess up, if you're gonna mess up that first push, um, you're gonna have to overcome that later. And I think I believe that you think the same way, and I think that's kind of why you developed the wide directional directional pushing, and that's why you're going to spend more time, again, like sharpening the axe up front, setting up the dent dial, riniing the panel, getting that right that right tip or the right tool on the backside of that dent so that even that first push is taking you in that right direction and not something you're going to have to overcome later. Do you agree with that? Or can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. um, What's great about preparation on a repair or on a push or on a pull or whatever it is. Yeah. um, When, when you prepare for it, that is a finite amount of time. So like when I, when I take off a panel and pull a glass out, I know that that's only going to take maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, or 30 or whatever, but the frustration of messing up a dent in the end and trying to fix it, we all know that that's infinite. That can go on for hours Mm -hmm. and hours, and then you – so I have so much experience with that, hours and hours, you know, trying to go this way, this way, this way, this angle, and cross-checking. Moving your light, yeah. So, so what happened is the fear and that mindset seems to be with me a lot is the fear of, uh, of making it too busy mm-hmm. that I'll stop. I'll, I'll really just clamp up and stop pushing or just clamp up and start taking things apart because that fear is stronger than me breaking, you know, a, pan, a piece of the panel, taking it off because mm-hmm. I know I won't see. So I know if the skill of taking off the panel is 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and I have the skill I'd rather do that first and open up the area than to try some tool kind of magically get it through that hole around that corner through that brace I'm not into that because I know you may get that angle but what about the other side so I I'm kind of past that stage where like a beginner is going to think I'll just get it started and then when when it gets really difficult, I'll figure out that later. No, mm-hmm. don't think like that. You want to figure out what's going to go wrong down the road up front, and then approach your repair that way. So, I um, what I what I discovered early on the on certain dents is that you can pretty much almost reverse them back out, um, clean, and then tap down the crowns um, if you pushed it like. A crowbar lifting a 55 gallon drum that's full um so i i didn't realize that if you overpowered metal like that so if you got a, a crowbar in the perfect spot
0: mm-hmm.
1: you could lift that 55 gallon drum in a second With and then the
0: right leverage
1: that's right, right it has to be short yeah. tight a lot of power yeah and um because as a carpenter, I know what it's like to pry a 16 penny nail out of a wood. Mm-hmm. I know about leverage. So mm-hmm. when I got into dent repair, I noticed that a lot of the rods had a length to them at some point. So you have a little bit of flex, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then you're farther away. And as you pushed, it was the same. So I started thinking, man, I want to, I want to get really up close to it, get leverage so tight on it that when I leverage, I'm way overpowering it. And, um, that's what happened. One day um, I took out a dent in the bottom of this Honda that literally it was just shoved up into the corner, but I hit it so nice with such a nice wide pad of whatever I put leather and tape, mm-hmm. you know how you do that. Yeah. But it was just the right shape, I guess it was. And I gave it that amazing, you know, uh, uh, crowbar push. Um, it was done almost done to the point where I was like, wow, that took one push. This dealer, <laughs> Thought it was going to take me two hours, and then that's when I started getting those feelings of man, I got to start looking like I'm busy because now I'm getting faster.
0: (laughs) So if you can, if you can define, if you can define that that whole thought into in, or if I could try to define it for you, in your perfect world, if you could take that panel and do exactly what happened to it on the outside of the car on the inside in one. One shot. Yep. That's the main goal. Not
2: that's that it. that's
0: ever going to happen, obviously. But everyone, you know, you said one push on that. So your goal is to like, let's not do, you know, six hundred pushes and a thousand taps on the thing. Let me take everything apart. Let me get it all set up the right exact thing so I can recreate what happened and do one or as little amount of pushes as I can to to recreate the impact on the backside. Is that is that the that's one? it that's it and that's, that's what I do that's where the dent dial and the leather and the tips and the leverage setup and the R&I that's where that all came from that's right talk about that when did that start I mean you you were doing this but you were, you were doing it with rods and you were doing it with the the dent pro you know go yeah. in your garage and make your own rods and you know tape up sure. tape up the end of them like we all i that's how my dad was trained in the 90s that's how I learned yeah. 15 years ago. There was a time where you were like, "Okay, I need bigger, wider, more I need to pick up that fifty five gallon drum in one push how, how yeah. let's talk about that part of your life when When was the dental born, and how has it changed kind of over over the years Sure um, I
1: think it had to do more with <clears throat> that crowbar kind of push because mm-hmm. i didn 't like the the rod fulcrum push because the fulcrum was usually. Further down the rod you're in the middle yeah yeah too far so it's always nice when that fulcrum and the rod is you know five six inches off the end that's Mm -hmm. that's sweet you love that Mm -hmm. so when i started to see that i'd be like okay i'll just create that but no flex at all but with a you know big flat bar um it was easier to set up and then uh i just you know kind of welded a nut to some metal and wrapped it around the flat bar so it slid up and down Mm -hmm. anybody can make that and uh just got a bolt on it and and started kind of coming up with a way to adjust the angle because you know the biggest thing in our trade, as you know is a or our skill trade I like to call it um, is the leverage can has it has to change sometimes uh, in many repairs constantly you literally you know this particular angle works, but to get another half inch of the dent you have to literally change up your whole tooling just to get up, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. So when that started to happen, it was like, man, I need something that's kind of, kind of worked for me all the time. And, uh, so I drilled a bunch of holes in a flat bar. Uh, that was one uh, idea I had. Um, but as I, as I, and then I kept thinking, this is going to be the cheapest piece of metal. Cause I'm going to bend the heck out of it. Um, cause I just don't care. I, I was so frustrated i needed something and i'm a carpenter i don't know anything about metal so when i bought some really cheap metal and drilled a bunch of holes in it i started leveraging like that over time the holes started opening up and cracking the whole thing cracked
2: yeah yeah.
1: so that's when i came up with the slot down the middle but it's more that i was just looking for something that was going to create that crowbar push because uh I needed that first, but also adjust because it's it's the crease that kind of taught me the most. Um, when when you drill a hole in a door and you have that long crease, mm-hmm. and you put a tool in there and you re-crease it mm-hmm. because you drilled exactly yeah. where the crease is. You think you're a genius <laughs> and you think this is the way creases should be done, right? Yeah. So. You can't obviously do that all the time, drill a hole. So I was trying to figure out, how am I going to lift a whole crease out with one push? You can't. Um, It was made with something hitting it and moving along. Right. So to recreate that, you have to touch it and move along it. That's right. So all kinds of ideas out there to do that. I I was adding a lot of slippery Teflon and stuff to my tools so I could slide around on there. Bottom line is that at some point it worked again. There is a way to remove something in one, sh- you know, one mm-hmm. move, and uh, that's my constant focus. Because if you can make a move and remove something, let's say seventy percent with one or two moves, mm-hmm. what'll happen is you'll you'll look into the repair thinking, all right, well, I'll remove the glass, remove the door, <laughs> whatever it takes to get to that moment, mm-hmm. uh, because. If you go the other route and say, oh, just go down inside there and start you know, trying to do whatever, yeah, you, you create that stitch effect. And now you've added so much time to the repair that I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to go the other way and do the repair easier. But the R&I was the, was the difficult part. Mm-hmm. Um, when the R&I became easy, that's when they, when they both came together.
0: Yeah, I hope, I hope a lot of people learn from that. I feel like I learned a lot. Right there. I mean, over the years, um, being wholesale tech and then body shop and retail, I still do all of them. But most of it's like, how can I start? How can I start this thing and get it going, um, and get it done as quick as I can? Which may not be those two things may not be the same. Yours is yours is not how fast can I start and get it done. Yours is how can I get that push. And so we all. We all we're gonna get what we focus on. And my focus has always been for the longest time until more recently is like get in there, get it started, get it finished, go to the next job. Your focus is how can I recreate this dent in the least amount of pushes possible? One if possible. Number one.
1: Number one. Yeah.
0: One if possible. And then that's where your focus goes. So if you're like, okay, I need the access to get this one type of push or this one type of drag, what do I need what do I need to do to get there? And yep. you're taking stuff apart. And if yep. your main focus is like, how can I start this dent as quick as possible and get it done, you're not going to take stuff apart because that's not how you start dents quickly. So shift the focus and you can shift the repair process is what yep. I would say.
1: And it's more reliable because mm-hmm. many times, I think nine out of ten times that when you take something apart or open mm-hmm. it up and get the access to where you want it. Um, if you compare that moment that you're like, oh, no, I can go over here now. Oh, I can go over here now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Eliminate that later on if you didn't take anything apart. Mm-hmm. What happens is you think, oh, it was too hard to get up in there. I couldn't do it. That's why it was so hard to repair. No. When it's all taken apart, you had that opening. You had that opening. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't take it apart. You've got to um, kind of dream about that moment where it's like, I don't know when it's going to happen, but in this repair, I'm going to have wide open everything to me because I'm going to open up the opportunity. I call it where you, where you go into a repair, you have to open up the opportunities. You have to, you have to see that hole that you didn't know existed, but you got to see it. If you didn't know it existed, you're going to try and find something else. You, you've got to open up your opportunities in a repair. Absolutely.
0: That's, that's awesome. Got to have the possibilities. So <laughs> I love that. I hope I hope that really really help. I think it really will help a lot of guys. I think that is not something I've heard said that way, um, or from you even specifically said that way. So I hope I really hope that it, that helps a lot of guys kind of shift the mindset going into some of those repairs. So, um, how do you balance running a dent business and manufacturing tools at the same time?
1: Wow, that's kind of a change a of
0: gears here. Yeah,
1: that's a tough one. Um, you just have to replace yourself. You just have to, you can't, uh can't, can't do it all. yeah, can't do it all. No. I mean, you have to start it out and sacrifice and do it all, but at some point you got to replace yourself. And that's kind of what I've finally done. And, uh, and, and it's fun because I get to go in there and add to it a little bit because you, you're, you don't start something that's not fun or, or engaging. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it making tools and being part of it because I get tired of dents sometimes, yeah so it's a nice
0: balance but you got to replace yourself that's how you do it <laughs> and you re, you replace yourself on the dent dial side you're saying you don't have any employees yeah, yeah. that's right that's what I, thought. I believe last time it was your son that was helping you with that right Little family yeah. business awesome yeah. i love that that's a yeah. good way to do it you got to start it though i mean you did both for a long time you made the tool yeah. and you know uh tested it in the field and then came back and made tweaks and did all that until you finally honed it in And i'm sure that was a multi year process and then once you finally figure out oh, man
1: that okay. was tough that's and i and the thing is i still did it
0: wrong i mean if you, <laughs> you look at all? my
1: you know my yeah my early versions of it it was a mess and it but it was working that's the mm-hmm. thing i thought okay if it works then that's the main thing people are going to get out of it is that they're in the field and it's working whether mm-hmm. it's cumbersome and maybe difficult to use bottom line is that we'll, at least it's, it's there and it's something else to use than what's on the market. So that's yeah. kind of what was my focus was just getting to the market.
0: Absolutely. Um, a couple of the clients that I've talked to recently, um, as I coached them, have said um, they want a retail shop so that they can do large smash repairs. And I said, and I basically kind of reframed the thing, reframe their thought and say, you don't have to have a retail, retail shop to do large smash repairs. Although it may help um so that being the setup have you thought about it or do you think you could up your game with retail location do you think it's not necessary why or why don't you have one
1: um i think you have to go into that replace yourself mode you know a lot quicker because uh, you're going to be there two o'clock in the morning trying to finish out a big smash that needed some fine detailing. Because I, I noticed in retail, um, when they're coming to pick up the car,
2: mm-hmm.
1: totally different compared to them seeing you work in their driveway and they're mm-hmm. ready to see you go and they're gonna write the check. If, if uh, when they're coming in, you know, and they're ready to pay you and they're walking into that shop, they're gonna notice every little scratch, every little issue that is the, is the problem. And it's a just a totally different environment for the customer. So I I was more I'm more I was more focused on how to be mobile, um, how to operate as a mobile service the entire time, especially on big dents, because um I I just really feel like that is the nature of what we do. We go to the car, service it for the customer. Uh when they drop it off, it's at some point you gotta have the staff to turn it over, otherwise you could literally have five, six cars there for a whole week. You can't accept any new clients
2: because mm-hmm.
1: you're working these big smashes and you don't have the staff to take out big smashes. Because if you did, those guys would be off on their own by now because <laughs> they, they, you couldn't pay them enough. So... I don't know. That's why you don't see a lot of retail shops, uh, at least in my area, number one, because of the price. I was going to say,
0: yeah, the Bay Area makes it a little different than maybe more of a middle, somewhere in the middle of America.
1: But it's the talent, though, I'll tell you. I mean, if if I put together the numbers as to what it takes to have a shop down here Mm and the total overhead involved, I'd have to have some dynamite techs Mm -hmm. working, knocking out some real volume. Um, And not too crazy, I think the quality has to be there. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. waiting for my son to, to, to get to the point where he's working on dents. And mm-hmm. then if he is, and he's out there, then it's time. Cause he's six, four. And uh, I think uh, one of the biggest things you could do in a retail shop is definitely make it um, more accommodating to a, a, a tech of any size by all the machines and all the lifts and everything involved. And, I would not like that. I'm only five nine, you know. I'm I can get to the ground quick, <laughs> you
0: know. <laughs> so there is a chance in the near future that we may see Sal Contreras in a shop instead of yep. instead of on the road. But but I guess I have a question. What are you going to do about your natural reflections?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I <laughs> I would say it just has to. You got to go off of everything in the shop, you know,
2: you from. Go
1: you know, the vacuum cleaner on, <laughs> on the, you know, the shop vac and everything is Industrial aligned to ceiling. me. Yeah. Well, the secret, I mean, you know, I can say it probably here to help me the most is the natural reflection because mm-hmm. um, the the lows are wider because you're looking straight into it, mm-hmm. you know, it's right behind you. Mm-hmm. So you have a reflection, you know, that angle, you're literally looking into the crevice and, if you try to see that same view from off to the side, uh, with a it's light not this doesn't work. Well, not, yeah, with the light, but you're still on the, at an angle. Mm-hmm. So if you were to look into, I always tell people it's like a helicopter flying over the forest. You're not going to see the, the, the crevasses and the rivers and everything mm-hmm. from an angle. You have to fly right over the trees to look right down in, in the center of it. And that's what I do is uh, I really see the true, crevasse as to which way it's going and i try and i don't get fooled um because once you're fooled you chop it up and you chop that zigzag crevasse or whatever i call it a topography yeah you've you've got to master what's happening in that topography so you don't make a mistake and and beat it up into look like a pizza yeah that that
0: eliminates your one your one push your one push theory yeah, when yeah. You can't see I try it.
1: and yeah. I look at a dent sometimes and think, okay, it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe five or six pushes of that <laughs> theory of wow. of massive movement, but five five to six pushes, and then after that, it's all you know yeah, sure. tapping, and the tapping has got to be, I would say, the hardest skill uh, com- compared to pushing. I would say it's harder. I agree because I like to tap once, mm-hmm. not fifty. So it has to be the right bone, the right shot.
0: And that's another development. We didn't even get into that, but that's the development of the Slopper Tapper, right? The, the, oh, yeah. The wide directional tapping device. That's right.
1: <laughs> well, it had more to do with the floppy panel of a, of a, um, you know, like a like really, that side. Uh, yeah, that was just kind of flopping around. Mm-hmm. When you tried to hit it, just the movement of the panel, you just weren't getting the right, uh, I guess, shock. So mm-hmm. when I started using the slapper Tapper and hitting it, I noticed it was moving so fast the sheet didn't have a chance to move so I was crushing stuff and the panel wasn't moving and that's when I thought okay now I got the speed I have down because you have to take insane speed to knock down a high spot when the panel has
0: it doesn't move very much yeah and that was my search that was my search interesting um Well, I hope you guys got a lot of information from all of the, um, some of the mindset behind it, some of the little bit of training, honestly, um, built into that too, about how, how to push, um, how to tap and things like that, how to think about the panel, the topography, all the, all those things that go into it. Um, Something I was talking about on Facebook with a few guys recently, after I posted a video is what do you think the state of our industry is and where it's going? Do you think we've just begun? Do you think um, we need more guys in the industry? Do you think there's still more space to grow in retail? What are your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Huh um I I'd say we we just we were just beginning in a way to take on um what we should be taking on in my opinion mm-hmm. you know there's a I think anybody you know can think outside themselves and how many panels are getting repainted in a day uh, <laughs> that they could fix
2: mm-hmm.
1: so and I, I in my opinion there's not enough technicians to do a certain amount of work that's out there And there's too many technicians doing a certain amount of work, you know? (laughs) So I don't know. It it depends on really us as technicians as far as where, when we're going to kind of like break out of that comfort zone and, and move on to something more challenging, but that's up to the individual tech. So I think it's always been that way in our industry. Some, some people just don't want to leave wholesale. They just, they make plenty of money and I don't see why they would want to leave if they're doing great. Um, I, I think there's enough room for someone to get in. Who's passionate that needs to, you know, wants to drive, drive their way up to retail. The hardest part right now would be losing the practice area of wholesale, which is kind of vital. You just need that. And right now with the economy, that that's the tough
0: part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, I think on one hand, um, it is difficult to start out, um doing full retail um because you have to kind of progress start you know maybe get some training start working on a panel by yourself for six or eight months go to the wholesale move to the body shops push yourself etc um but that always doesn't that doesn't always work for new guys so on one hand I think that this industry is gonna still forever always be you know one guy's one guy in a truck or a couple guys in trucks Um, Versus big companies, but on the other hand, I think those big companies are the way to provide the training through the wholesale ranks. So it's kind of a a tough thing. How do you feel about that? Do you think in twenty thirty there's going to be just more you know solo guys out there, or will there be bigger companies? Will it consolidate a little bit? Huh? Um,
1: You know, I I think it's always going to come down to the value of the techs and how they feel about themselves as it um, because it's really hard to retain technicians in this industry because once they get a smell of what it's like, the freedom, the money, why, why work for somebody? It, yeah. and we all know that it happens to every, everybody. Yeah. But um, I think if my goal, at least if I open a retail shop is to make it so accommodating, so comfortable for the, the tech, Mm-hmm. That they they won't even consider mobile because <laughs> why would I do this out of a truck? I need this, I yeah. need that, I need this. Sure. So that's kind of my approach on retail. Um and I hopefully it could grow that way. But I have designs in my head for machinery to really help out in in ways that I feel are really necessary. And um I, I think that'll help a lot. If I if I ever come up with that then I can see franchising retail shops because I, it would make it so much easier yeah. for the learner to start in a shop situation and work their way up all because of this particular help that I'm thinking right. in my head is important. And right. you can only have it in a retail shop uh, with, with, uh, as far as an apparatus. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my goal is to is to come up with it, open a shop, make it to where it looks really attractive, mm-hmm. uh, where someone could look at it and say, Oh, I can definitely do one of those and, uh, and re- franchise it. But that's a dream, you, know? Yeah.
0: Fascinating. <laughs> I, you yeah. know,
1: I may, I may just want to keep a simple life and not get into that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. Yeah. That's, that's a tough scenario to go to. I can't wait to see, uh, what some of those ideas you have are, if they come to light, um, someday down the road. You know, um, it has a lot
1: to do with that one push. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I, I believe you. I believe you. Um, and maybe like port along the lines of a port of power. But um, yeah, uh, that's fascinating. I can't wait. A couple people asked me to ask you this, and let's see if you'll divulge any information on this. But you have a mystery tool cart that may or may not be a barbecue that you carry around with you. <laughs> um, can you tell us anything about what's under that cover there?
1: You know, it, it's a, it, a tool cart has got to be one of the most important tools you can have, mainly because your ability to be an artist, kind of like um, the pa, you know that that flat Palette, board yeah. a painter uses. You know, yeah, it's a Bob Ross. You, you, you you want to have your tools right there. You yeah. don't want to walk back and forth ten feet from your truck or five feet. I don't know. You somehow lose some of the <laughs> when you have to get up and walk over to your truck and say, "All right, is it one of these three. I like it to where you slide out a drawer. You're literally working on the car and you look over. And then, so that's kind of what I designed is I designed a tool cart that is right next to you yeah. and you're on the ground and you can literally work with it. And at the same time, you're working on a, on a, in a row of cars, you yeah. need to be able to get it through between cars. So I only made it 15 inches wide. Um,
0: so the, this is the route the route the route yeah, tech cart that's right when, when do we so, get to see it
1: you know I'm, I'm hoping to build it this year at some <laughs> point you know i'm trying i'm trying to get the prototype because the are you know the one it looks like right now is kind of like frankenstein it just looks mm-hmm. like a it's a hodgepodge of all Welded kinds of different together. metals <laughs> yeah it looks pretty bad and everybody wants me to show it and it's like no and i had a few, few failures maybe more than that i had about four or five failures on it where uh, this this drawer broke or this mm-hmm. wheel broke I had the mm-hmm. wrong size so i like that down the road i'm seeing flaws that i would have seen of course if i started selling them and then there i am with warranty issues after
0: so, yeah for sure yeah
1: i mean it's a good a guess that it's a barbecue thing that's for <laughs> sure i like the idea the only thing i can tell you is that the top part of it is kind of similar to yeah. the way it opens up but overall it's fully contained from rain. I like that part of it. Yeah. Um and it's uh, concealing a lot of your secret stuff that you don't want other guys to check out what you're using. I like that. Um so someday, someday you Som- will be someday. out there. I love
0: yeah. it. <laughs> um and I I wanted to ask you this too. The la- I said that probably said that was the last question, but here it is. Sure. Um you <laughs> you talked about a lot of the pushing and the tapping and the theory and the topography of the day, and I could go on, but do you do training? If you do, how can we find out about that if we want to get some more knowledge directly from you?
1: Does that look right?
0: Yeah,
1: right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I used to do one-on-one training. I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, people can actually ride with me in my band for a couple of days uh, if they've taken um, kind of a pre-course, mm-hmm. which I have. And I had that in DVD for a while, but I find that I get more satisfaction out of training to do it on a kind of a wider uh, area, kind of mass area. Uh, and I was doing it in the seminars, and that was cool, but still not enough people. Mm-hmm. So I opened up a uh, online page where I'm just going to put video after video after video after video of every repair I'm doing and I'm going to be applying all those principles that I talk about uh, in each repair and so it's pretty lengthy some of these videos I come up with are 45 minutes to an hour and a half long and um, that's the way I'm doing it now so if you want training to me right now uh, I'm making a commitment I made it from the beginning that I am going to give away everything I know, because wow. Wow. There you go. if, if anything happens, I'm done. It's gone. It's lost, yeah. you know? It's and I, yeah, I have, I have two huge secrets I've never revealed. Um, one of them I did reveal to a few people, uh, and they're waiting, you know, when is this going to finally get out? Cause they've been holding on to it. So I have two big ones. And, uh, I think just, the one that's never been revealed that I, I, have only told my son, I think when everybody finally hears that one or sees that one, that'll be the really, that'll be the one that'll be like, how come you didn't tell us before, you know? And I I feel bad. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm trying to get it out there right away. So it finally gets out there because if it wasn't for this particular secret, I don't think I could fix dents. I'd be done. Um, I, I I used to do the crisscrossing, constant checking constant and uh, I found out that there's a a sequence Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that if you follow in a repair and read it properly I guess um, you'll get to the end and not make any mistakes it's possible that's
0: that's what I that's what I do now well if that doesn't intrigue you guys then um, I don't know (laughs) I don't know what you're listening to but and just like anything else I mean in order to provide the most value that you possibly can, like Sal's trying to do, he's not just going to come on the podcast or go on Facebook and just give away these secrets. One, it may not even work right because you can't apply it very well. Um, And two, if you pay for something and you, whether it's coach training or dent repair training or any of those things, you actually receive it at a higher value Um, and it's given at a higher value. So if you go to a job and you're going to charge 200 bucks on a job that should be, worth $600. I believe that if you charge the 600, you'd give them a better product. Um, so with that being said, obviously if you want the secrets, you got to pay for the training, you got to get into, into Sal's ecosystem. How do, how do we do that? Was there, is there a website or is there, a- uh,
1: it's okay. on Facebook, uh, just go to Sal Contreras, uh, on Facebook. I have, uh, two profiles. One profile is, is strictly for tools and training. Um, And that's the one that you'll probably, you know, get accepted the friendship really quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in there, you want to look for dent dial membership page or dent expert training. Both those pages are all about the training and how to use the tools. But um, it's not just the tools. Everybody thinks that uh, it's always going to be about the dent dial. It's not that at all. Right now, I'm actually filming today uh, the the next video, which is all about how to make uh, the rods. Because I make them all. I don't have I mean, I, I I make my own rods mainly because I don't want anything to stop me getting to a repair. And I found that if I had a set of rods that didn't want to alter too much, uh, I wasn't getting anywhere. <laughs> and so there was those many of those moments where one of them was just too long, and it's either I make the money. Uh, Or I go home because I said my tools didn't work and that was ridiculous. So I took a, you know, I took a hacksaw, I cut up the tool, I rounded it off, I bent it in certain spots on my tailgate with a torch and I made money. So when that happened, that's when I thought no more buying tools I'm making everything because you've got to have the ability to master the manipulation of your tools to get to these crazy areas and uh, that's what I'm teaching right now on the membership page. And that's what I'm filming today is all of the uh, the scenes for all that tool making. So I'm going to be you know, <laughs> using a torch and a welder and everything on this
0: video, but it'll be fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's in and it's and it, a lot of it comes back to the mindset of the belief system. It's um, it's not just the training of how to use the tools, but you're actually going mobile and fabricating essentially tools on the spot for a very specific yeah. I. I can't, I'm, I don't know how many guys out there that are doing that. I, it's a, it's gotta be a small number, especially mobile. I think guys in a shop that have the bench grinders and the things like that maybe, but on a mobile guy, fabricating tools on a tailgate, I, I, maybe there's a couple. I don't know. Well,
1: I mean, not fabricating as much
0: as just uh, yeah, torch, sure. torch and bend. Yeah. Torch and bend. Cutting, mm-hmm. torching, bending. I mean, it's close. You're not welding out there on the road, but. No, it's, no, it's no. Close. But
1: just mainly just, cutting once in a while mm-hmm. something that just was too long yeah i mean you're just so frustrated and you never use the tool you're looking at it and you're thinking yeah, I like, never where, where I- it's gorgeous <laughs> you know <laughs> but i just never use it so oh, at some point i broke it or, or bent it or something mm-hmm. happened and I realized all right i'm gonna make that one shorter i'm gonna put a little bend here i hate how the bends on that one's not right and you make this incredible tool all in just because you decided to to cut up another tool that has been the help that helped me, has helped me the most is not having anything stop me because I look at it and think, all right, I'll just sacrifice that tool and that tool because that's the job
0: I got to do. Those tools day. are you yeah. know and that's, okay. that's kind of what I do. I love it, man. Well, I hope you guys learned some on this podcast um, about the mindset uh, inside of Sal's head, and if you want to yeah. learn more, um, there's a lot there, and you guys can hear it. Uh, there's a lot in there that he wants to talk about. DentExpertTraining.com, is that where uh, just find? Dent
1: Expert Training? Dent so Expert Training, it, yeah. Not, or you can, yeah, just 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 type in at Dent Expert Training on that's Facebook, or on the go. internet, just type in DentExpertTraining.com. Either way, that'll take you there.
0: Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing a lot of what you well, have to it was share. Fun, the- Corey. Thank you so much.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, you can find me on Instagram at DentProSac or on my website at com. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.